Hey everybody, welcome to the Juhu Roadshow podcast. Justin Hunt here. I am with very special guest, good friend of mine, Teresa <laughs> Tapia, who um, we met, jeez, uh, like in 2010, I think. Has it been that long? Yeah, I thought it was even longer, actually. Yeah, it's it's been that long. Um, uh, obviously, the uh, wife of world champion boxer Johnny Topping. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. We got a lot of catching up to do because we haven't seen each other for a long time. So yes. we're gonna come back and talk about a lot of stuff. But for now, lay down the music, Lance. All right, Lance. That's uh, that's pretty good music. I'll give you some credit for that. Um, all right. So, Teresa, we are uh, we're at your home in Albuquerque, New Mexico. You were in Vegas for a while. Yes. What uh, what brought you back here? Um, I decided to bring the boys back. They wanted to start their school year off here, okay. and I think they just missed you know being in Johnny's territory, his hometown, and mm. there's so many memories here. You can't have that anywhere. Oh. I mean, you can have it a lot of places because Johnny traveled everywhere, right. but this was home to him. And I think the kids feel that you yeah. know, here more than anywhere. Absolutely. Um, now, I, it's very important, I think, that we get this out on the table that you're, you're not the wife of Johnny Tapia. You're Teresa Tapia, and you got your own thing going on, and you really were a big part of all of this, and you're still doing that. Like, what are you doing these days? Are you promoting still? What, what, are you, what have you been up to? <laughs> I'm always doing a, a million things, but with Johnny, I did, you know, we were married 20 years, and right. for 19 of them, I was his manager, and I was the first female in boxing, so it was kind of a weird time for me. Um, I think Johnny and I were the pioneers in, in a lot of ways, and we brought a lot of attention to the females, and they were able to participate, so very, you know, happy that we were able to do that. Since then, I mean, I still dabble in managing fighters, promoting, um, we're working on the deals that I can talk about, the deals I can't, but we're negotiating a documentary, actually. Oh, um, nice. My, a book that I'm almost done with, and people are already waiting. It's just a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, you've always got, like, tons of irons in the fire. Yes. Like, constantly. Yes. Are you still, you're still managing boxers? I'm actually, there's a couple of people that have approached me about it, and I'm, you know, getting interested again. I kind of miss it, so yeah. I, and I'm actually still involved in boxing, though. I'm the special ambassador for the WBC, and they're a huge organization, yeah. as you're aware, and I also sit as their chairperson for domestic violence, so there's a lot that I do with them. Wow. Yes. So, what was that like for you, uh, kind of at the beginning, when... Um, you know, Johnny was kind of on the rise and then here you are and you're handling the management. And, and mm -hmm. I mean, you and I talked about this a number of years ago, I think. Um, that was a bit of a struggle. Oh, yes. It, it was funny because I went from being married to Johnny uh, the first year. It was kind of funny, our life together. I think everybody knows that whole story, so I won't bore you with the whole thing again. Oh, there's nothing boring <laughs> about your story with Johnny. <laughs> but, you know, when he made his comeback to boxing, I wasn't even able to go to his training camp. I wasn't able to go see him train. It was women were not allowed. And when he would fight, I could talk to him one time on the phone. That was it. And it was just a brief phone call, and, and it's just women were not involved. They were not wanted. You know, I'd show up to the fight. I wouldn't see him till I mean, hours later. Yeah. And then finally, you know, we'd, we'd have our time together. So I went from being that type of role and yeah. just being a wife to being thrown in literally 
uh, it was it all happened when well Johnny got kicked out of New Mexico for a felony and <laughs> rather than face jail he uh, signed a plea that he would relocate which we did thanks to Oscar De La Hoya right. he called us up and said you know I know Johnny's struggling come up to Big Bear we have a camp here you know we can use my trainer that's right I remember you telling me about yes. that yes so we made our way to Big Bear and I kind of in the process we kind of kidnapped and tricked Johnny because he didn't know we were going that far <laughs> and so there was a lot of antics in between you know, really funny memories and stories but so uh, there was a bit of craziness I mean there there's yes. quite a bit of craziness like just the kidnap like you had kidnapping and telling him hey we're gonna do this I mean was that did you kind of learn over time that's that's the approach you had to take to, to yes. get get things accomplished yes I mean um before he came back to boxing, the way I got Johnny clean was I locked him in a little tiny apartment with wrought iron, and he wasn't allowed to get out, and I hid the keys, and I remember my mom used to have to bring us food through the door. I wouldn't even open the door for her. That's how I made him get clean, and we went through a lot of struggles, and Johnny talks about that in his book, right. but it was the best thing for him because it actually gave him a new lease on life because he had been in a bad, bad place for a long time. But Now, how old was he at this point? at this point how old are you I, um, what's the difference between you two five I, five and six years so half the year you know when his birthday because he's his gotcha. birthday's february and the minus so he's, he's five and a half he was five and a half yes. years older than you yes but i was way more wiser so oh, gotcha. so he was older but i didn't feel <laughs> that way because i'm the one that had to take on the responsible role so when i met him i wasn't even 21 yet yeah i remember him telling me the story about this little angelic meeting he had with you. Yeah, he was he was hooked right from the beginning. Oh, it was funny. I mean, I remember, and these are things I can discuss now because um, it's obviously going to come out in a book anyway. But um, our first date, I ended up going to jail. I was charged <laughs> with awesome. a felony. <laughs> I, was, awesome. I was facing 8 to 13 years in prison. For what? Drug possession and intent to distribute. <laughs> On your first date? Our first date. That's when you knew it was love. Yeah, that's when he knew it was love because I didn't tell on him. That's so. That's well. I mean, it's cool. Like like you said, it's in the past, so we can joke about it now. It's pretty cool. Yes. Um. All right. I want to get into some more stuff, but I got to read something real quick. Okay. Um. One of our sponsors is Apex Tactical Resources. You're gonna love this little commercial. I love. I love these guys. Um. Uh, Randy Scholl is uh, Apex Tactical Resources, and of course, Apex Tactical Resources is your source for firearms, tactical hunting, and survival gear. Uh, whether you're heading out into the mountains on a solo camping trip to sharpen your skills or planning on bugging out of the city when shit hits the fan, we are there. Live the tactical life at apextacticalresources.com. I love that script. I love reading that script. So, okay, so you go to Big Bear, and at, at, at Big Bear, is that kind of when you said, all right, I, I'm not playing this, you know, um, shutting the door on me game anymore. I'm not playing this. Is, is that when you really decided to get more involved? No, I can't take credit for that. Honestly, it was um, Johnny's agent at the time. His name is Bob Case, and he he's an agent to many, many baseball players, football players, uh, actors like the late, great Mickey Rooney. Oh, I yeah. mean, so he had his hand in everything. Who was a boxer? He played a boxer Didn't, in a movie. I thought Mickey had some gold gloves from way, way back, or he I boxed think you're in the military. Mickey Rourke, I think. Yeah, but the Mickey no, I Rooney thought Mickey the... Rooney boxed in the... I don't know, anyways. Yes, so he... Um, was always around Bob Case was he was a good friend of ours and so that conversation took place when we relocated his old manager and trainer at the time mm. said I'm not going anywhere you're gonna have to come here to train well Johnny wasn't allowed in New Mexico which caused 
a problem. Right. So we had Bob Arum calling saying, look, we have your next fight scheduled, but by law, you need a manager. Who's it going to be? Well, I remember sitting in the living room. It was my brother Robert and, and Johnny and Bob Case and, and, of course, myself, and we were talking about it. And Bob Case is the one that said, well, why not your wife? And Johnny and I looked at each other and we started laughing because <laughs> it's like it was not heard right. of at that time. And he said, no, who better? This girl went to jail for you. I mean, she's she's put up with you. She's locked you. She got you clean. She locked you in a place. She kidnapped you. She got you to Big Bear. You know, she did right. all the right things. Why not her? Who else is going to look out for your best interest? She has right. brains. She knows what she's doing. Hmm. She's young. but Yeah, how old she, were you at that time? I believe I was 22 at that time. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And um, <laughs> so Johnny and I talked about it. And when we were both, Johnny and I were both like, no, this isn't going to happen. It's not going to work. And but then Bob said, there's, you know, it started to make sense. And mm-hmm. so when we had to pick up the phone to call Aaron and we had our meeting set up, it was kind of like we could hear the ridicule on the other end. Like, sure, you know, oh, go right. ahead and not come taking on you seriously in. At all. So anyhow, we I had a meeting with Aram. That's how I got into it. A week later, I remember driving down from Big Bear to Las Vegas, Nevada, where Aram is at. That's where he's based. And Johnny and I had discussed everything he wanted in a contract because he had been in the same contract for right. years. And so when I went down there, you know, we had our list of commands. And I remember it was so intimidating. I walked in. Yeah, I was going to ask you. So at what point did you that shit get real for you? I think walking in and you see this man, I mean, Bob Arum, he's, he's very smart, but he's also a Harvard Law School graduate. He was prosecutor in New York. I mean, that's the caliber of person that he and is. And what was his role at that time? He was, he owned top rank and still does. Okay. Top okay. rank boxing. And right. he's promoted um, Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Durant, all the greats, you know, De La Hoya, all right. of them. So he had a, he was one of the major players, him and Don King. So I remember sitting across from him and he had, you know, a couple of people in the room. And I remember... You know, I walked in and, and Johnny wasn't allowed to go in. So it was Johnny and my brother sat outside in the waiting room okay. and I walked in and I mean, I was trembling and <laughs> I remember I kind of pushed my list over and said, this is kind of what we want. And I remember him sending me a, a the other contract and it was the same thing. And I said, this isn't what we want. He said, take it or leave it. So I remember walking out, you know, and I and I'm scared. I mean, I'm shaking and I'll never forget it. What the turning point for me was. I remember walking into the lobby and we're walking away to the car and we hadn't signed the contract. We were going to read it. But basically, Johnny says, did you get this? Did you get that? And everything was like, not exactly, not exactly. So finally, he's like, well, what did you get? I was like, the same contract. And I'll never forget the look in his face. I remember he turned and he looked at me and he said, so you really don't believe in me. All that's just talk. And he lit a fire into me that it just, it never burned out after that. I remember, Mm -hmm. um, I said, you're right, you know, and I marched back in there and I told Bob, nope, absolutely not. We want what we want. And he said, you just ruined Johnny's career. He said, he will never fight again. I said, I'll take my chances. I walked out with my head held high, but I was still shaking and I I didn't know if I ruined Johnny's career. So we (laughs) got in a car and we drove up and it was the quietest drive of our lives. I remember going up to Big Bear and I was, you know, and Johnny was like, oh my God, you just got me fired. I'm like, I know what I'm doing. I know, I'm not, I, I did know, it did not know what I was doing, but right. I had faith. So, so did, you had like this renewed or I, not even renewed, but you had this new sense of confidence. I did because I knew I believed in him. I believed in his talent and I did believe that he was being underpaid Yeah. and I was put in this world to role to protect him. How could I protect him if I'm not getting what I thought he deserved? Right. So it, it was a scary time, and 
days went by and nothing from Aram. And finally, three days later, we get a knock at the door. Okay. Aram doesn't visit anyone but De La Hoya. And he came to our house and walked in. And I sent Johnny out. And I act like I knew what this is. This was going to happen, but I didn't know. Right. He basically got everything I wanted. You would think that would be the story and where it ends and congratulations right. should be in order. But they weren't. I remember. So we got everything. We were celebrating happy the fight comes a couple weeks later i remember aaron gives me a check and it's minus you know x amount of dollars i said but that's not what agreed on he said so sue me and he said i'll keep you wrapped up in in court so long johnny will be an old man and i said oh all right lesson learned he said welcome to boxing young lady never forgot that so next fight johnny was mad so you you just you you had to swallow that pill kind of next fight you know we're there and um, Johnny doesn't know what I'm doing and I have our team blocking the door and I tell Aram guess what Johnny just suddenly injured himself you can't sue him because it's an injury and that's by law you can't <laughs> I said but if for X amount of dollars if you want to give me that so what he took from me I got back that day and I said and I love boxing by the way got what I wanted it was all fixed and from there it was a chess match and I became the bitch of boxing because wow. I didn't let them push me around and I wouldn't let them come out. Cameras were rolling, everybody was waiting, and I wouldn't let Johnny out of that room. And Johnny didn't even know what was going on. Are you kidding fun. me? Nope. That's that's how it all started for me. And so right yeah. then and there you you knew what you were doing and how to do it and I mean obviously every every situation is gonna be a learning experience. It was. I mean, it, it, there's no rule book on it, especially being a female. And, yeah. and you're like I said, if you come up with the great, you know, ideal, then you're you're just considered. Um, oh, look, you know, if you're mad. Oh, she's moody. It must be at a certain time, you know, and oh, yeah. that's the kind of stuff you deal with in boxing. But um, it didn't matter because I had what what they underestimated about me. Yeah. Was I was married to Johnny. My life was so crazy with him that whatever you did out there in the boxing world wasn't nothing compared to what I was going through at home with Johnny because this guy was overdosing in hospitals and jail I mean people did not know the stories and what the true behind the scenes were so let me ask you something I mean I think (laughs) we're close enough I can ask you this most people would say well why why didn't you just get out of that situation I mean because you did you dealt with a lot of crazy Mm -hmm. Um, And I love the guy. He was a fantastic guy. But there was a lot of craziness there, especially when you're that young. And and why didn't you just say, okay, I've had enough of this. I don't want to live this way. What what was it that made you dig in? You know what it was? Um, For every crazy thing that Johnny did, what people um, didn't know until later was he had this heart of gold. Mm -hmm. And he was the most loyal person. And you know what? It's hard to find. If you... You could put Johnny in a room full of, you know, people running for Miss America and they can throw themselves at him. Johnny was the most loyal person there was. He loved me unconditionally and I loved him. Mm. So we had this bond that, yes, it was chaos. Yes, there was craziness. Yes, I was dragged in through a million things. But at the same time, I knew that Johnny would literally lay down in front of a bus for me if Mm -hmm. it meant me surviving. And that was just what we did for each other. So as many bad things as as he did, or he did to me there was even more good that outweighed the bad yeah and we kind of picked our way through things and because we did a lot like people like i said that when when that book comes out you'll see there's so many 
I think I probably ended up breaking more laws than he did <laughs> in life because I was always trying to protect him. Yeah. Well, let's um, let's give the book a plug real quick, and then I'll read another one of these sponsors. What is the book, and when is it coming out? Um, it, it's a it's just a book about my time with Johnny, and and I won't give the title yet because oh, okay, they won't okay. allow it. But um, it's just basically just you know my life and my time with right. him. Wouldn't call it a love story. I would call it just facts of you know i mean yeah. there was love but man it was just so much chaos and craziness when any idea when it's coming out um they want it as soon as i can get the last part of it finished to them okay. oh, are you are you writing yes or are you just kind of no i'm actually writing you're it, writing and i have somebody that's kind of right she's an award-winning writer so it's like a Teresa tapia with whoever kind of thing no, it's, it's just, just you. And then I'll send it over to Bettina Jilawash. She's an award-winning scriptwriter, and she wrote Johnny's book. And then she'll kind of say, "Oh, you're, she's, you know, she's been great." So yeah. she's, she kind of just says, "You're on the right track, and don't change anything." Okay. All right. Cool. Let me read another one of these things. Okay. Um, uh, there's a wonderful little uh, organization out of Nashville, Tennessee, called Be the Change Global Wellness, and they consist of. EMDR therapy and trauma specialists who help heal the mind, body, and spirit. Now, uh, for those of you that don't know, EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. Uh, it's a way to finish the processing at a cellular level, which results in bringing the issues to completion and relieving symptoms, and it's endorsed by the World Health Organization to address trauma. Apparently, this is a really uh, unique way of dealing with issues, um, but um, help is needed, obviously, in Puerto Rico to restore uh, land and infrastructure. Uh, but also to help train their clinicians and to provide uh, BTC's top trauma specialists via, via their EMDR mobile unit. Um, so the bottom line is they can't wait, neither should we. If you'd like to donate monthly or give a one-time gift or even create a partnership with them, you can visit their website at bethechangeglobalwellness.com. You are listening to the Juhu Roadshow podcast. I'm here with my friend Teresa Tapia. Uh, we're in Albuquerque, and it's good to have you back I mean, I don't live here anymore, actually. <laughs> I live in Colorado now, but uh, I'm sure uh, it's nice for you to be back in New Mexico. I mean, you're from here too, right? I was born here. I actually was raised in California. but um, What part of California? North Hollywood. Oh. Nice. Yes. So that was, I was raised here. I was born here, and I was I lived here till I was 10, and then I moved away and came back when I was 18. Okay. So let's get a little bit, uh, let's get more into um, this growing process. So as this as this continued and you and you got more and more experience you know it sounds like and obviously the results show that you really started getting into this managing thing and doing a damn good job at doing it yeah so like like when did you i mean when did you really feel confident doing this and and uh when did you feel like maybe you got some mutual did you did you get to a point where you felt like you got mutual respect from the men in this business i think so i mean i um I know that I probably made a lot of enemies along the way because I wouldn't back down. And I think that they weren't used to that because here we were a couple. It wasn't just somebody. I had a vested interest in him as more than just a manager. He was my husband and right. father of my children eventually. And, you know, so our life together, everything just, you know, I knew, like I said, I had a certain time frame to do what I needed to do to get Johnny where I needed to get him. And these, like I said, boxing, they'll, they'll just basically, they'll chew you up and they'll spit you out and you're mm. done and you're a has-been. And I, know, I knew that and I watched that. So, plus they didn't see what would happen at home. So here I am negotiating contracts and I'm pushing hard for him and getting what I want. 
and I don't even know where Johnny is at the time. See, I don't, I don't even know if he's going to come home. I don't know if he's going to be in jail, if he's going to be um, overdosed. So was that like episodic or was that like all the time? All the time. All the time. I mean, there's a funny story I'll tell you about the Downey Romero fight. Everyone loves to ask about that one because... Oh, that, and for, 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 I mean, because this is for people, you know, yes. around the world. I mean, so Tapia Romero, that was a, that was a big deal. Yes. Because you had two guys from Albuquerque, right? Yes. Wasn't, they were both from yes, Albuquerque. both of them. And they were fighting for the... Both of them were champions. Right, but what was the... Was it fel- featherweight? What was it? Oh, yeah. It, it was the junior. The junior, the junior featherweight. featherweight. Yeah. Championship it, it was, of the world. Yes. So you got... And, and Albuquerque's... Uh, for those of you that have never been here, Albuquerque's got this kind of machismo thing, like this chip on your... I mean, there's some... There's loyalty here. Yes. And so when you have two guys from two different parts of town... Right. Yes. I'm fighting for the world championship. So the stage is set. The the Romero Tapia fight was a big deal. It All was right. huge. Okay. It, it was junior bantamweight. I'm sorry. I mean Johnny eventually did get up to the featherweight, but we're still in junior bantamweight. He, um, Johnny was a champion and Danny was a champion at the same time. Okay. They grew up um, not far from each other, a couple of miles apart. Okay. And Johnny had a career that started back in about 89 to about 90 when he or about 88 to 90 and he got kicked out of boxing he was not allowed to fight any longer and Danny at that time started to rise through the ranks okay well in 1994 after Johnny um made decided to come back Danny did not want to share the limelight and it started a bunch of you know friction now Johnny was the older of the two and certainly the wiser at the time he was more of you know hey there's room for both of us let's put Albuquerque on the map but Danny being younger and wanting it you know not wanting to share that attention it kind of settled they were both the same with the same promoters which was Bob Arum with Top okay, Rank right. and um so it just things started to get ugly, and I mean, it got so ugly that I remember they were. Uh, Danny was scheduled to go to a press conference. They weren't fighting each other yet, but they were going to fight on the same card. Danny said he refused to go with a drug addict, and he would not go in the same plane as Johnny. Well, then Johnny that did it. He was like, "I've had it. You know, I've tried being the nice guy. You want it? You got it. I'll fight you in my backyard for free." So things got really, really bad, hmm. and I mean, everybody wanted to see this fight happen. I mean, the whole world wanted to see it. And Johnny was so sure. He said, if he beats me, I give you my word, I will kill myself. That's how real this thing became. And he didn't, he wasn't just throwing that out there. If you knew Johnny, you knew he meant it because he would not have been able to go on. There's a lot of pride. That's another thing. There's a lot of pride in in this part of the world. So, yeah. And so Danny at the time was saying, oh, I'm going to knock you out third round, third row. You're going to (laughs) be out. And and it it was just such a big thing. Well, so they, the fight's going to, you know, where they've signed, they do their little tour. Uh, fight's about three and a half weeks away. Johnny has no trainer. Johnny's been in and out of jail. He's high. I can't get him to settle down. I bring in Emmanuel Stewart. He fires him because Emmanuel sends somebody in his place. Um, we're up in Big Bear trying to get altitude. I'm watching TV and watching what Danny's this doing. This is three weeks from the three fight. Three and a half weeks okay. before the fight. I'm watching TV. Danny's in Angel Fire. He has this whole elite team of people, and he's training harder than ever. And Danny's known as the knockout artist. Johnny's known as the boxer. I can't even get the guy to train. He's, like I said, literally in and out of jail and high. I mean, so high. 
it, it was so bad that I went down for dress fitting in LA. I come home, my whole house is bordered up with plywood. He was hiding in a tree because he was high on meth. He thought that he didn't know where he was. And what? That was the kind of stuff I dealt with. So that's what I'm saying. Welcome Promoters, to your world. Yes, wow. that was a glimpse of my world. So here I am trying to talk him down from the tree. Finally, I, I call Bob, uh, Bruce Trampler, who's the matchmaker for Bob Arum. Okay. And I'm like, Bruce, um, we have no trainer and there's a problem. He's like, oh, you'd get him down here because at this time, Danny had already left them, went with another promoter. So all their stake was in Johnny now. He needed to win. Gotcha. And so... We go down to Las Vegas. There's no altitude there. They hire uh, Eddie Futch, who was once a legendary trainer. I mean, okay. uh, trained a lot of great fighters. And he starts to work with Johnny. But he, he's already 80 years old. He can't hold mitts. So we have to call in Jesse Reed. And, you know, Johnny's looking like crap and sparring. But that night, like I said, true to his word, Johnny walked in there, turned up like something. That, there's just something that Johnny had that was another level he could get to Okay. when he put his mind to it so when he walked in that room to say i was nervous would be an understatement i mean i was sitting there i was so nervous justin that i had a whole row dedicated just to prayer warriors that's all they did was pray i wouldn't even i mean and the whole fight i was like you do not stop praying don't cheer don't you just pray 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 that's how scared i was right but when you see johnny from the first round all the way to the 12th you knew he had it i mean he there was nothing he was almost on a whole magical level that you couldn't even can't even describe it just happened that was an interesting thing to me about johnny and, and going back to that pride thing is he he was like just raw he was just yes. a raw person but it was it was all authentic like you got what you saw it seemed like yes i mean obviously i didn't spend nearly as much time with him as you did but like you know, he was kind of all over the place, but the fact of the matter was, I mean, he was just living, he was he was living out loud. Yes, he was. But he was really driven driven by pride, but, you know, pride is can also be a byproduct of fear, don't you think? I mean, he lived out of fear of failure a lot. No, I wouldn't, wouldn't say that. You don't think so? I don't believe so, because in Johnny's world, he used to say, um, when you don't fear death, like he didn't because he always wanted it and he always welcomed it and he mm -hmm. never felt like he belonged here. So when you have no fear of death, then it's hard to fear much of anything else. So that's what was wrong with Johnny. If he had feared, then he wouldn't have done half the things that he did in life because he would be like, oh, no. Like, think about it. If you're going to go on this huge thing of let's say a, a bungee jump and it drops you from the highest place well most people fear it johnny excelled at it there was nothing that could get him that you couldn't do anything to put the fear in him unless i said i was leaving him mm -hmm. or you know that was it you know that was probably the only time you could see him have any kind of fear it, it was he was different he just uh so well and we'll get more into the, where that came from with him on on you know not fearing death um, because I want to talk to you a little bit about the whole father thing. I want to talk to you about absent, um, and I, I want to share something really special with you uh, as well. But I got to read one of these things okay. really quick. I got to pay the bills. You know what <laughs> I mean? Um, you're listening to the Jew Who Roadshow podcast, uh, and I want to tell you about a company out of the Four Corners part of the world, um, Integrity Real Estate. If you're in the Four Corners area of America, which is a beautiful part of the country, you guys lived up in Farmington for did. like a year, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, integrity real estate if you want uh, to buy or sell your home that's who you call in that part of the country uh, with integrity your property is their priority that's catchy 
<laughs> uh, you can call them at 505-258-4921 or get them on the website, on the website, on the web at integrityrealestatefarmington.com. Um, so the reason that we met was because of this documentary. Yes. Absent. And, um, and Johnny had the, uh, you know, the whole father wound thing going on because at that time when we did the interviews, um, you know, he didn't know his father. That drove him a lot, his story with his mother and all of that. And then things kind of took a weird little turn. They did, and they took even a stranger turn right. later. Yeah. So the, f- the first strange turn um, was actually was the day that we premiered the film. Yes. Um, we made the announcement that uh, it had been about a six-week process, if I remember right, leading up to that. A gentleman had come forward f- claiming that he was his father, right? Yes. How did that develop? Um, we were approached. Uh, Johnny actually did a short term in prison okay. <laughs> um, from 2009 to 2010. When he was released from prison, he owed the state some community service, and part of that was making a comeback to fighting, which he was donating his purse to good causes. And so he um, had his first fight at the OK Casino. After that, that's the one in in Espanola, in Espanola, yes. New Mexico. Okay. And so after that fight, they went to a different. They underwent a management change and decided they weren't going to do boxing anymore. Well, Johnny still had obligations to do two more fights, and we didn't want him to go back. You know, on anything, uh, we just didn't want him to end up back in jail. And we were approached by an individual by the name of Robert uh, Padilla. Okay. Who's been in his his um grandson or son but i think it was his grandson but he called him son was picasito um vince he was a pretty great fighter himself okay and he actually has passed away too but um anyhow robert had approached us and said that jerry padilla senior had approached him about wanting to get involved in boxing and i didn't know who that was and i remember telling johnny and, and at first johnny was adamant that nope i can't go there you know not pretty just his track record's not good. I'm already in trouble. I just got right. out of prison. Don't want to start there. So I'm like, catch me up. What's going on? And so he kind of just gave me a little rundown, a brief one, because he didn't like to tell me too much about like gangs or right. drugs and all that stuff. But he just said, you know, it's he was a three-time convicted felon for drugs, all this stuff. And he's like, I don't want to get in trouble. Right. And I said, oh, no, no, we don't want you to get in trouble. Well, he kept kind of pestering Robert Padilla, Jerry Sr. did, and Robert kept pestering us and finally got to the point where he said, look, I can get you a deal with the Sleta. You know, pay me, and I'll be the middleman, and I'll get you it because I have family there. So we said, okay. We went along with it. We met with him. He was true to his word. Uh, Jerry got us a meeting and was able to pull off the deal, and then we paid uh, Jerry like a finder's fee for it. And so – well, this was happening, he started being around Johnny and watching him train and kind of saw all the excitement that went mm-hmm. with boxing. And, of course, um, Johnny thought he was just like this kindly old man at the time that all the crime and all that stuff was behind him. So they kind of hung out and had like a pretty close relationship, you know. And next thing you know, a couple of months into it, after Johnny's first fight, uh, Jerry Sr. comes over to the house and he says... Um, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. And he said, Johnny wasn't there. He was outside. And Johnny was still in his little ankle bracelet, so he couldn't go <laughs> far. <laughs> and and um, Jerry's like, I think that I'm Johnny's dad. And I said, 
you think you're Johnny's dad? He said, why? He said, well, I've been thinking and I remember back in the summer of mm. 1965, I worked in an area where his mom lived and I remember her. And I said, well, what do you remember about her? He didn't know anything. He just said, I, I just kind of remember. I just kind of remember. But he didn't have any facts to back it up. Right. And I said, if you tell Johnny that she's going to be upset. And he said, well, you know, I could be, I, you know. And, and so not knowing at the time without doing research, had he been with Johnny's mom, Jerry would have been 17 years old and Johnny's mom would already been 25, married with two kids. Well, we didn't know that at the time because we didn't know like the years and all gotcha. that. So Jerry said, call Johnny in, please tell him for me. So I brought Johnny in, I sat him down and I right said- Right then and there. Yes, and I said, you gotta sit down for you this one. You didn't wanna think that through or do some research or? Nope, we didn't because I was kind of not believing it, I think. I was kind of more of a, Right. Sure. You want to tell him? Let's tell him, you know. And so I brought okay. Johnny in All and right. he told Johnny. And, and then the way he told Johnny, I kind of had a thing. We had the connection. I was, I, I'm pretty sure I was with your mom. I was only with her three weeks because I had someone else pregnant. And basically, he just kind of rambled no, on. Don't sugarcoat it. Exactly. And that's how he made it. Like, he just kind of used her. She was just there. And then he went back to his wife and, and had a baby and never looked back. And But he thinks that Johnny was the result of it. And Johnny got upset, of course, and didn't want nothing <laughs> yeah, to do would, with him. I yeah. would imagine, yeah. Because well, he put his mom on a pedestal, and he loved his mom, and, you know, well, she yeah. was murdered. And so he was very protective of her. So Jerry, t- you know, he took off, and for a couple of days, Johnny, because Johnny, would he was a very happy-go-lucky person, very full of life, but he could also hit those lows because mm, of his bipolar yeah. and yeah. disorder. So he would go into his lows, and he kind of went through that, and he was like, what do you think, and do you think, you know, and then uh, he just wanted to know where he came from and i said well you could well i'm sure there was a desire for it to be true yes. even though he was upset yes i, I believe so so yeah. he asked me to talk to jerry and see if he would do a dna so i asked jerry and jerry said yes and um we decided how to handle it because anything johnny did hit the media so johnny was very um he was always sketchy about all of his business being out there publicly right so I said, well, you know, we, we kind of thought, we all talked about it. And we decided best thing to do was an at-home DNA test. So we went, all of us, to a Walgreens, and we bought the DNA test, and we went home. And um, I remember I was, you know, looking through the box and kind of putting, laying everything out the way it needed to be. Well, at this time, you know, Johnny and Jerry Senior used to get high a lot together, and they would do pills and whatever they would do. And I had ran downstairs to look for a marker because there's these little plastic okay, baggies gotcha. and stuff. So I run back upstairs, and they're, like, messing with the same swab, both using it. I'm like, what the heck? So um, they, so I've been, like, upset with them. I'm gotcha. like, you guys are tainting it. It's not going to work. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll just send it, just send it. So I was like, whatever. So I sealed it, you know, and Jerry Senior said, I will – I'll go ahead and pay for the postage, Mijita, because since you paid for the test, I'll, I'll go ahead and take care of this part. And I was like, whatever. It's not going to come back. I said, it's going to be inconclusive because you guys cannot share swaps. Well, anyways, it was, you know, supposedly sent. And then a couple of days later, I get a knock at the door. There was an envelope propped up on my door. I um, saw that it said it was from the DNA place. Right. I went and woke up Johnny. I called Jerry. And all of a sudden, Jerry, who lived really far and drove slow, was like five minutes away. It was weird. It was just a very weird thing, and I, I questioned a lot of this. Oh, well, yeah. So when we opened it, of course, it said that 99.9% that it was he was Johnny's dad. And so it was kind of like a weird, but Johnny was happy in the beginning. 
they celebrated it. Johnny accepted it. Well, we made a big deal of it. I mean, yes. when we screened the film, I mean, the screening was cool just having Johnny there. But then, the, like, the media showed up, and it was like this huge announcement yes. that we made at the screening. And yes. I mean, it was like everybody was kind of shocked. I mean, there was like the collective gasp from the crowd. Yes. If you remember that. I mean, we had three or four hundred people there. It and It was. was. Yeah. And see, but a couple of months later, had you like been around like fast forward, let's say six months, yeah. Johnny was doubting it. He's like, he's not my dad. I know I don't have his genes running through my blood. I know yeah. I don't. And then we would ask Jerry, Johnny and I would both say, come on, take another DNA test. Let's do this one at a lab. Oh, no, no, no. He's my son. He's my son. And yeah. that was always his his thing. Why wouldn't you want to prove it in a lab? Let's and do it again. I mean, if you're so sure, exactly. let's do it again. And he always turned Johnny down. And, and then it just became really weird and really ugly. And Johnny, be, Johnny was at the worst place in his life with mm. addiction after this when he was with this man. And, I mean, it turned really, really ugly. So by the end of it, um, Johnny, I have letters, actually, that I've never even shared with anyone where Johnny's talking about it. I know he's not my dad. Take me out of this town. It's going to be the death of me because uh. you don't know what's what's happening. And, and you know, there was just a lot of stuff Johnny and I shared together. I mean, 20 years together. Well, sure, yeah. He knew this man for a year and a half, and then he passed away. Oh, so the, the Jerry guy did? John, or Jerry, Johnny did? Yeah, yeah Johnny. Right. So, Jerry so was, that was, okay. He was okay. only in our life. I was trying to think of the timeline there. He, yeah, he wasn't around too long. No, and and so after Johnny passes, things get uglier. I mean, it's already bad going through what I'm going through with Johnny. Yeah. Then this man, you know, Jerry starts slamming me all over, trying to just really just trying to. He kind of like burst in and wanted to take over and basically wanted all of Johnny's rights and started using Johnny's name everywhere and kind of putting me down and and then it was like then I. It was. It turned so ugly, Justin. Do I mean, you feel like this was kind of contrived from the yes. beginning. Oh yes, and so does the judge who just ruled in our favor. So oh really? The judge actually. It was. It was pretty sad. We went to court um, a couple months ago, and the judge heard all the evidence and was able to see everything. And he told Jerry Senior. He says, "You know what's sad is that Johnny went to his grave thinking you're his father, when you when obviously it's clear that you forged those papers." Mm -hmm. You forged this test. You, you know, put yourself in their life. You did all these things, and and he was kind of like shame on you that that yeah. man went to his grave thinking and believing that. You know, I, obviously, I don't, I don't get to see you that often, but uh, I, I saw that guy in the airport oh. one time. Mm -hmm. um, I think I was going from one place to another, and I had a layover here in Albuquerque, and I was waiting at my gate, and he got off the plane at my gate. You know, the the flight before me. And I tell you what, the guy that I saw get off that plane was not even close to the guy that I saw, you know, when, you know, we had the dockers and the button up yes. shirt on, you know, present presenting ourselves as, as his father and all that. Yes. I mean, I, I mean, I saw I saw. Well, I don't want to I don't want to be negative, but I, it just wasn't the same. Wasn't the same guy. Yes. I mean, it was the same guy, but it was totally different personality. You saw his true form. I did. Yes. I, I, and, I, and I remember thinking, wow, that. That's quite a transition. Yes. Because I mean, he's unmistakable. I knew it was. I knew it was the guy. Mm -hmm. But I remember thinking that is not who was on the stage with us at that screening. Exactly. You know, that's because he has some. He puts on this cer certain type of persona to the public who that don't know him, and mm. he comes off as "Oh, me heathen, God bless you and pray for me." And but believe me, we've seen the real Jerry and all of us. Everybody who knows them and knows who he is, they all know who he is. The wolf in sheep's clothing. Exactly. Yeah. That's how I always describe him, which is funny. Yeah. But 
you know, and, and it was hell because for five years he made my life hell. I had to keep leaving New Mexico. I couldn't be home. Um, my cars were getting blown up. I was getting threatening messages saying if I show up to court to, you know, say that he wasn't Johnny's dad, watch what happens next. I mean, it was a long... You, lo- you have lived a crazy... Tell me about crazy it. Crazy life. Um, I, I want to talk about I want to talk about the movie briefly, because okay. um, I'm not I'm not doing this for self serving purposes, but I'd like to I'd like to talk about the movie. But first, mm-hmm. I have to tell you about stay safe security supplies. Um, uh, we're all looking for ways to protect ourselves from harm and theft and the like without having to resort to lethal force. So stay safe security supplies can help you do that with a ton of non lethal options. Uh, visit staysafesecuritysupplies.com for tasers and stun guns, pepper sprays, cameras, and much, much more. That is staysafesecuritysupplies.com. You can also uh, find them on Facebook. Uh, David Baxter over there, a really good guy. So I'm going to um, definitely look that one up. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, you might need some of that yeah. stuff. Um, so just real quickly uh, about the movie. You know, um, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure Johnny watched it at some point, but... It, I really enjoyed talking to him about that. And it seemed like we kind of got to a different level in our conversations than he usually maybe got to. And he almost settled down a little bit Mm -hmm. so we could have that, that conversation. And I think some really great things came out on, on, on the film, um, out of that interview, you know, when you saw that and you saw what we were trying to do with that movie, the fatherlessness and all that story and his story, he's really the one that people relate to in that film. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that or not. I but didn't. Of, of all the people that are in the film, including Hetfield from Metallica, it's Johnny that people relate to and endear themselves to and feel the, feel the most for. So what, it, what was your take on the film? I mean, how did you see it and, and, and how we portrayed Johnny in, in that? I honestly, I, I mean, I thought that with me, the way that you made it unfold, um, I'm not surprised, first of all, that they connected to Johnny because mm. I think you could always see that heart that he had and that hurt that he always had in him, that amount of pain that you could see in his eyes. Yeah. So I'm not surprised on that. But I think you just hit a home run with it. I mean, I'm not just saying that because it's you, but you were able to kind of talk about something that people just don't really I don't know if they don't understand or they didn't care to visit or it just it was so normal as society as a part of society that that you didn't question it until you brought it to light and Mm. look at what happens and how your paths can go in one direction or another and and so I'm I'm thankful I had my father till I was 18 and he did pass away but I know that he was the person that molded me and gave me that respect and instilled certain things in me. So, I mean, I I just think that you hit it right on. And I believe that it was something that needed to be said. Well, and it was just, I don't know. Maybe it was a bit uh, cathartic for for Johnny to get to talk about that. Um, You know, because like you and a lot of other people know, I mean, unfortunately people judge on the surface Mm -hmm. and I think Johnny was judged on the surface for just kind of being Johnny. Right. Yes. But there was a lot more to him than that. Um, and, and I think it, you know, people got an opportunity to see, well, kind of the same reason you explained that you love him and you stayed with him. Yes. They got to see through the craziness and maybe the, maybe the film did that just a little bit, but I want to, I want to share something with you. I don't know if you know this or not, but, um, I uh, published a book that went along with the film. Did you know that? Yes, you sent me a copy, actually. Did you get a copy yes, of it? Yes, thank you. And uh-huh. do you remember uh, there's a dedication to Johnny I in do. there? Good. Yes. I'm glad that I, I couldn't remember if I, if I had gotten you a copy or not, but I want to I read this to people. 
because I think it says I think it says a lot about Johnny. I think it kind of encapsulates um, what we're talking about here today. And, and um, but the dedication in the book, which is called Sincerely Anonymous, um, says uh, this is a dedication to Johnny. It says for my dear friend Johnny Tapia, who like so many in this world waged the war against the wound, and we're talking about the father wound there. Um, every punch that he threw inside the ring and out originated from a place of sorrow, yet he forged ahead in search of joy. Uh, he was an ambassador for the fatherlessness in his struggles. His victories were shared by all, and we all felt the sting of his defeats. He was the people's champion. Uh, may God's grace raise your hand one last and everlasting time, champion. I thought that, I, I, I just, beautiful. you know what, mm -hmm. it, it, I just think Johnny, Johnny really was kind of the, um, he was the representative of everybody who deals with a father wound, in, in, in the movie at least. I, I think he just, he really personified the pain that, that a lot of people, that, and so when you tell this story about Padilla, it's just so heartbreaking. It is, I agree. Um, and it just shows the nature of, of people, and especially when you get to a certain level of exposure and entertainment. You have to protect yourself so much, don't you? You do, and and I mean, it's, it's it's so heartbreaking because it's so ironic. Like, you know, Johnny grew up without his father. Now my boys are repeating that pattern. Mm. And so it that's what I'm saying. Your movie has hit home like in more ways than you'll ever know. Oh, because God. just even with my boys now, they're, yeah. you know, their dad was the exciting when he was the one. I, my 12 year old has a girlfriend now and he's having issues and this is where he needs a dad and yeah. this is where so I just hope like I'm doing the best I can as a female to try to do and point them in the right directions but I, you believe me I know they're lacking that male figure that should be it's here it's a different energy it is it is believe me I see it in them and yeah. and I feel so bad and so as I'm saying I'm, I'm glad that you did that move you know we're able to make that movie and it's just I see it even in them so well, you know, and I know that there's, I know that there's plenty uh, of material where they can, they can see Johnny still. Yes. I mean, he's immortal because of that. But, uh, you know, maybe in a weird way, that movie gives them just a little bit of a different perspective of their dad that they didn't get to see, and other things. So yes. Uh, so, what's it, what's it been like for you since he's since he's been gone? I mean, obviously things are a lot more normal. <laughs> They're not. They're not. <laughs> Are they just because, as crazy? I think just because. <laughs> Where you're like, come on, I thought it was going to be a little. Do you know who Max Kellerman is? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. It was so funny because he's one of the people at one time that they're trying to, we're doing this, trying to get this movie done with Johnny and he was one of the producers on it. And, you know, we're all sitting around and it's Max and um, it's uh, John Papsidera who's a actual, uh, he's received, what is it, in, um, M not Emmy Awards, but. Um, An Oscar? Oscar for his casting he's oh, you know, okay. Batman I mean just you gotta right. look him up but right. awesome people this huge you know the, all these really powerful people in Hollywood well Max is sitting there because they brought him in as a boxing expert okay and we're all sitting around table just talking you know having dinner talking about the movie and they want the movie to be told through my eyes because it hasn't been done because everything's been done in boxing but they like the way that you know how we started this all and the female part yeah, of well it and everything yeah it's very unique anyhow somebody was talking to max and saying how crazy johnny was you know and i'm not paying attention i'm just doing my own thing and kind max looks over and says no i think she's the crazy one <laughs> and i'm looking i'm like what? what are you talking about i'm the same one what the hell bro <laughs> and he's like you know what Teresa, you're the crazy one in my book because you didn't have a drug problem 
They said, nope. He's like, you didn't have an alcohol problem. Nope. nope. And you didn't have like this abuse and you didn't have a mom that was murdered or a dad. I was like, no, nope. I didn't. He's like, but yet you stayed with Johnny and look at all the things that you went through. To me, in my eyes, he says, that makes you crazier than Johnny. We knew Johnny had an excuse. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to lie. I might have to agree with him on that. <laughs> I might have to agree with him on that. I was flabbergasted. I was like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> me? And he, he just, but I had never heard that from anyone before Max. Wow. Ever. That's crazy. So what do you want to do now? Like, what, what, what do you... I mean, I know you have your your uh, your hands in a lot of things, and mm-hmm. you're you're doing a lot of stuff. But like, what are your goals now? What do you what do you want to accomplish? What are you trying to trying to get done? Um, my most important goal is to just, like I said, to make uh, have these boys and my sons actually become productive, you know, little citizens and human beings. Because, like I said, they don't have their father, and it's right. all me. And um, so they're like my number one priority and, and I feel bad for them because they're yeah. they didn't it didn't calm down after Johnny things what happened was it went from Johnny as a target to the me as a target with mm. media wise so everything that I do now these boys hear about it and it's and it's it's all do you still deal with that do you still get a lot of oh, coverage yeah. and exposure and definitely and it's never anything like you know it's they don't want to do it in a positive light obviously so I'm always in the mess why do you think that is I think that Johnny was so entertaining for so many years Mm -hmm. and because of who he was and the colorfulness, whether he was being bad or being good or fighting or not fighting. And I think people miss that. They want somewhere to turn to. And then I think I did some really crazy things after like Johnny passed. I mean, for a short term, um, you know, I got involved with somebody who was supposedly the half brother because I wanted to. See, all this is going to come out anyways. I was trying to get DNA because the dad wouldn't give it to me. So I went about it a different way because I was really crazy, like with grief and went about it a different way. And I ended up um, involved in a bigger mess and didn't think about the You got in a relationship with the guy to try to make this happen? I did, yeah. And I I paid a heavy price for it. But you know what? It brought us to where we are now, which was proven in court that he was not. Okay. So we had to Was it worth it? I think so because okay. I've always protected Johnny okay. and I always will and and certain people knew about it like Bettina you'll oh, have yeah. to talk to her and I'll, I'll get you connected with her but she's I guess you know she's an award-winning scriptwriter she just did Bessie and now she has another one coming out on Lifetime and she did um, Glory Road and just tons of movies but awesome lady McFarlane Road and all that stuff she's done a lot of stuff okay. she was she helped me she helped me create a fake um <laughs> she, you sure you want to say that? <laughs> well, she did. Why not? Let's go she helped it. me do a, a a fake reality show to get this individual there to go and give his DNA test on film, and um, that was how we had to go through all these links. But I was just, I knew that that was the last thing that Johnny wanted was to show that this man was not his father. Right. So I wasn't gonna let you up. got that done. I did. Good. And, so, like I said, with all the craziness, I have given ammunition. Nobody knew what I was doing. I think they really thought I was certifiable, which I probably was, but I was doing it for the right reasons. Okay. And so I went kind of in a wrong way, which people thought. So I, it opened doors to kind of make me that person like, oh, well, look at what she did. And then yeah. it didn't stop there. Then it was something else and something else. And, and it just kind of so then it just all became public. And I think now they have that other person that that kind of took that place of doing crazy things oh. but i wasn't took a little to. bit off of you no, no i was the one that became the one <laughs> because the johnny wasn't here anymore and right. i wanted 
But I mean, now that all that's kind of been settled, now is any of that crazy spotlight going to that person for having done that, or is it still on you? It's still on me, and and like I said, because there's other stuff that come up, and something I shared with you privately earlier today. Right. There's always something, yeah, and it doesn't stop. So I guess it's just part of life. Yeah, I want to ask you. I want to ask you a, a personal question, if you don't mind. But I uh-huh. have to do these things. Uh, I want to remind everybody about Be the Change Global Wellness and their EMDR therapy and uh, trauma specialists who help the mind, body, and spirit. Um, EMDR, which stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, is a way to finish processing at a cellular level, uh, which uh, brings the issue to completion and relieves symptoms. It's uh, endorsed by the World Health Organization, and they're looking for some help. They need—they're trying to—they're uh, doing some great things to help out people in Puerto Rico. But if you want to partner up with them on a monthly basis or a one-time gift or create a partnership with them, you can visit their website at Be the Change Global Wellness. Dot com. So that one's that one is done. We thank them for their sponsorship. Um, now you don't have to answer this. Okay. Um, but it'd be cool if you did. So, I mean, are you ready to to move on relationship wise? Are you? Is it hard for you? Yeah. I. You know I mean, what? is it hard for you when people realize they come to realize who you are? You know what it is with me. I I feel bad for anybody who gets involved with me because the part that could carry on a relationship went along with Johnny in his grave that was the part that somebody who's with me needs that part for me you're talking about just man loves woman relationship well yeah just my heart in general I mean Mm. I I gave I was with Johnny for so long and it was it was all or nothing that's all we knew and from so young yep because how you were you were 18 20 20. about 19 when I'm 20 when I met him okay but I my whole life was Johnny everything I did was for Johnny and and like I said I do I feel bad for anybody that gets involved with me because they're never going to have what Johnny had because it's just a shell and Mm -hmm. I feel like I live my life now wasting time or kind of just living you know you just you're existing but you're not living yeah because my whole thing is i know where i belong and and it's next to him and we will be you know he's buried in my family um area and i'll be right next to him and and that's what i want and that's what i crave i mean the only thing that kept me going after all these years was my boys otherwise i would have went with johnny right away but i had obligations and responsibilities so like i said I, i feel bad for anybody that would try to really take a shot and put their heart into me because I'm damaged. I mean, so much from. Yeah, but companionship is healthy. I mean, it's healthy. It's healthy maybe in, for me, but it's not going to be healthy for them because right. you're always going to be, there's always going to be that third person. Well, and I mean, if I'm understanding you cl- correctly, I mean, really, they're always going to be second best. It, it will be. And it's because you, I gave everything I had to him and I don't want to do that again. I don't have the energy to want to do that again. Yeah. He was, and I still do everything I can to keep him going. Well, let's be honest. I mean, anybody that, anybody that you got in a relationship with is going to be boring as hell anyways, after, after <laughs> the, the life that you've got to live. So, I mean, that's, exactly. Um, Okay. Um, a couple more of these, and then uh, can you believe an hour's gone by already? No. Isn't well, it? with you, it never seems like well, that long, though. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. That's. Uh, but I just I love doing this podcast. It's a Jew Who Roadshow uh, podcast, and and if you'd like to subscribe, um, well, obviously if you've if you've had an opportunity to listen to this, you've already subscribed. But um, tell your friends about it. Tell your family about it. And and we've got tons of amazing. Um, uh, guests planned and 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 uh, just like Teresa, uh, it's uh, patreon.com forward slash juhu. Um, you know, you can subscribe for less than a cup of coffee and you get to listen to four of these shows a month, which is pretty cool. Um, 
And if you'd like to sponsor the show, you can do that. Just reach out to me. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. Uh, J-U-H-U at live.com. But uh, we want to tell you about Integrity Real Estate. If you're in the Four Corners area of America, um, up in the uh, Farmington, New Mexico area, you can call Integrity Real Estate to buy or sell your home. Uh, with Integrity, your property is their priority. You can call them at 505-258-4921 or catch them on the web at IntegrityRealEstateFarmington.com. Get in touch with uh, Treva or Teresa. Not this one, <laughs> different one. And they'll take damn good care of you up there. So um, you ever miss the craziness? You ever miss that? I mean, I know you got your own kind of crazy yeah. going on now, but do you, do you miss the Johnny crazy? Um, I feel like I still live it with him. It's funny because everything that happens is always because of him. Residual. Which, like, like I told you about that yeah. thing earlier. It's always something that's like a left, like a lingering thing. Yeah. And I think um, you you kind of get adapted to it and you, you kind of get acclimated to everything that was happening with him. But it was just for so long you're on this just you have to be aware of everything and you're on your toes and you know you had to stay one step ahead of him and you had to it was crazy so um I guess I would probably say I miss it but then I kind of have it in a different way and it's he's still a part of it Mm. yeah if that makes sense no it absolutely does I just you know I I I kind of wonder because I was thinking about that as I was getting ready to to come over here and meet with you is just you know when you do have a quiet moment you know if it's different for you when you when you get a quiet moment because you don't you don't have that i wonder what i wonder what he's up to now (laughs) going on yes because i there was there was lots of those moments because i remember (laughs) there'd be times where people would be laughing at me where everyone's like keep it quiet don't make noise and little did i know he was out in the backyard jumping yards because he was out of his mind on whatever (laughs) he was on at the time and so there was a lot of those you know times there was like i said there was a lot of good there was of course there was bad um there was a lot of stress but Mm -hmm. there was a lot of for everything that that was bad i always say that the good tipped in our favor and you know and so for whatever he did and he would do so many things but the good things like i told you they'll always outweigh the bad things and i'm not making him out to be an angel because believe me he was far from it right he was if you call him an angel, he had little horns coming out of, you know, of his little halo. But he was, he was a hard, you know, person, but, but he was a very giving person too. So, yeah. Uh, well, unfortunately, that sucks. I hate that we have to wrap it up, but like, what would surprise people about Johnny? I think what would surprise them most about Johnny is how much of a religious person that he was Hmm. he was a very christian and i mean this this man he lived for god and he everything i mean everything he did he would pray and ask for forgiveness and and he taught that to our children and he was actually a really good father and whatever the mess he made at home he tried to be a different man for for, you know for these kids and um i don't think a lot of people realize that about him do you think that was one of the biggest struggles for him is that he loved God so much, but that he he made those mistakes that he made. And I mean, did that did that create like a, a like a conundrum for him? A, I, like I, I a, think like so. a guilt. I believe so. You know, um, for his Hall of Fame, he was recently inducted, which is the New York Hall of Fame, the, the biggest deal you could get to. I mean, that's what Johnny wanted. That's what people strive for. It's when was he inducted? Just now in the summer of June. Oh, um, wow, that's it, amazing. It, it was huge. I mean, huge, huge. He was inducted with Evander Holyfield, all the greats before him. I went with Johnny to the Hall of Fame, and I remember he would walk the grounds, and he used to get chills, and he used to say, like, look, this is where Muhammad Ali walked. This is where, <laughs> you know, because that's how Johnny just respected other fighters. and. Right. Um, 
one of the speeches that I had to give for the ceremony for the dinner one we talked about you know her Johnny always said he didn't feel like he belonged here he had one foot in the grave and one foot on earth and he used to just be restless and one of the things that I shared with them was you know I felt like I wish I could have answered those questions for him while he was here yeah and I couldn't but it, it was like even talking about it now everybody got emotional too but I, I told him you know what I finally found where he belongs here amongst the greatest he's mm. immortalized now he will never die so you go to the hall of fame you see his fist you see his robe you see his accomplishments and that's where he wanted to be and I think I that's where he belonged and I wish that I would have known that while he was alive to answer that question because yeah. it was like this huge void that he had and I was always trying to well you know you know kids and you know houses and you try you know material things none of that mattered yeah it was only i think in the end that i I think he's finally found his peace well and despite everything um despite everything that he went through or that he may have put you through or Mm -hmm. or any of that that stuff on the outside i mean he deserves to be there yes i agree i mean and, and just what he did in the ring he deserves to be there despite everything else yep what would surprise people about you? I think what would surprise them, <laughs> probably what Max Kellerman said, I probably was just as crazy, if not crazier than him, because you had to have that mentality in order to live that life and function for 20 years. Yeah. I think, you know, that you, Johnny did leave behind that little bit of craziness in me, and that's what made me able to function. Yeah. Um, so... Last thing, uh, what about the movie? Is it going to be made? Is it going to, I mean, is it, is, is it in production? <laughs> you know, Do you he have had, a director? He has so many different people that are bidding for it now because he had a signed deal, like I was explaining to you earlier, yeah. and, and um, the rights of the time ran out. So now they're actually up again, and so different people are coming in the picture who want to do it, and they're talking about lower budgets, bigger budgets, even TV series on Netflix. So just like in Johnny's life, there was always a million things going on. A lot of people are still bidding for it. Yeah. Well, you just tell them that you want me to direct it. That's all you okay. got to do. <laughs> all right. Uh, Teresa Tapia, thank you so much. I, it's always nice to hang out with you and visit with you. And, and uh, we haven't got to do it for very long or for a long time, I should say. I, I think the last time I saw you was, man, when was the last time I saw you? Um, it was, uh, I think uh, your was it your cousin and I we, we met we over the, the Zuma wasn't it at right? the at the sushi place to yes. talk about the movie and yes. stuff. Yep, I remember that. So yes, I'm um, glad to see that you're doing well. Glad everything's going good. I hope the movie happens. Um, you'll have to give us an update on the book so I we will. can let everybody know. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean you've you've brought a lot to the podcast, so I hope everybody enjoys it. <laughs> um, last thing before we say goodbye because because I have to. Uh, it's my favorite script, so I don't mind reading it. Apex Tactical Resources is your source for firearms, tactical hunting, and survival gear. Whether you're heading out into the mountains on a solo camping trip, and you like the way I'm going into that voice, whether you're heading out into the mountains on a solo camping trip to sharpen your skills, I'm not sure what skills they're talking about. I mean, but uh, if you're going to do that, or if you're planning on bugging out of the city, when shit hits the fan, we are there. Apex Tactical Resources. Dot com. Teresa, thanks so much. Thanks for having me in your house. It was good to meet your son. And, and uh, um, yeah, this is the Jew Who Roadshow podcast. And we'll, uh, maybe we'll do this again sometime. Thank you. Look forward to it. All right. Uh, take us out of here, Lancer. Bye.